Let's open up our Bibles in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, uh, and in verse 1. And today I'm starting a new series. So, you know, you're like at the beginning of it. If you're watching online, you know, want to make sure like you're here next week and that you listen to this. Um, because for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the subject of freedom. All right. And, uh, and I think I believe the Lord will show and reveal some new things to you to experience new freedom in your life. You know, um, just because we're believers, it doesn't mean the devil gave up on us. You know, when you got saved, the devil didn't give up on you. He actually doubled down because he got really, really scared. See, his, his whole thing is he, he knows what a believer full of the Holy Spirit can do because he saw Jesus walking on earth. So he knows your potential because he saw Jesus' life. And because of that, he's even more scared when you find out new truths. And, you know, and so, so there's, there's a war going on, and we're going to talk about this um, because we want to be aware of this, and we want to experience freedom to the full. And so we're going to spend four weeks on this. It's going to be great. Um, and then after that, uh, we're going to have our, our friend Tafara uh, Butai from South Africa Literally, he doesn't live here. And, no, he lives in South Africa. He's coming to preach here. Uh, he's an amazing man of God. He's on uh, South Africa TBN, and he, he's led uh, a lot of people into um, uh, just the Word of God and taking religion out of the very religious places over there and taught him prosperity, taught him healing. And, and so he's an amazing guy. You're going to love him. He's hilarious. He's a pastor. And so that's, that's in five weeks. And then in six weeks, we have Lance Walno coming. And so, you know, it's going to be a very exciting six weeks. So you don't want to miss, you know, and, uh, and you want to make sure you're, you're inviting people to come. You know, I know uh, a lot of people are out of town, escaping the heat, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, if you're out of town, make sure you watch online because uh, everything that we teach here on Sunday is part of the journey that we're walking through as a church. You know, I always say it's great that you hear other teachings. It's great that you listen to other stuff. That, that's good if it's healthy, if it's, you know, if it's not uh, uh, law-based, you know, if we could say that way. But, um, but it's even more important that you are walking and applying what God is speaking to you in your house where you're planted, where your family's planted. Are you with me? Where we're all growing, where we're building something together, okay? And so don't misunderstand what I said. Uh, you know, I'm not like one of those that don't listen to anybody else. Not like that, you know. But it is important that we're connected to what, what, what's God speaking to us every week, you know. So if you're serving, if you're a leader, you know, if you happen to miss a Sunday because you were, you know, serving uh, somewhere else, you know, that's, that's totally fine. We appreciate uh, you serving, but we really want you to get the word. You know, we never want to see any of you for what you can do or what you can give but for what you're experiencing, for your walk in Christ. You know, we, we're not so, so much about building a big church as, as much as we are about building big people, you know. Yeah. Not physically, you know. Unless it's all muscle, then that's fine, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we want you to grow big and strong in the Lord, you know. And that excites us way more than packing out the place, you know. Packing out the place is just a normal thing that happens when a place is healthy, you know. We don't have to do tricks and fireworks in order to fill it up, you know. And so anyways, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, 
the interesting thing here, you know, when you study the root, uh, you know, in the, in the language, in the original language, is that it, what it actually says is, now concerning the spiritual, I do not want you to be ignorant. And yes, Paul was talking about the, uh, the spiritual gifts. You know, he, he was not, he, he, he was definitely talking about the spiritual gifts, but he was talking about the spiritual in general, okay? Everything. Um, if you don't know this, about 98% of everything that exists is actually invisible, spiritual. And only 2% is what we're able to catch, understand, see with our five senses. So we live off of 2% of everything that exists, you know. That's what we base most of it. That's what the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith and not by sight, you know. We're supposed to live by faith because faith is based in the invisible and the spiritual. And so he's telling us, hey, I don't want you to be ignorant about the spiritual, like, that's great that you have five senses and you can see and you can talk and you can smell and you can, all, all that is great, you know, it, it serves a purpose, but you need to be aware and not be ignorant that there's a spiritual world that is far bigger and greater and is constantly impact, impacting our daily living and our life, right? And we interact uh, with that spiritual realm through our belief system and through our actions, right? Why do we give? Why do we sow financially? Because we believe, right? We have a belief system in the word of God that when we do that physical act of faith, it produces something in the spiritual, right? Something's happening, you don't know, that is going to bring about, again, physical results. Are you with me? Right? So we're interacting with the spiritual realm all the time, you know, with our words. Our words are invisible and they're very powerful and they're very spiritual. Whatever we sow, we reap. And it's not just money. It's words. It's actions. They produce a spiritual uh, chain of effect that is going to come back and manifest in our life in one way or another. And so he's telling us, please don't be ignorant about the spiritual. It's very important that you're aware that you, you know, the Bible says that people perish for lack of knowledge, right? So some people and some believers are perishing because they are ignorant about the spiritual realm. Are you with me? So we don't want to be ignorant. We don't want to be scared. We don't want to be hyper spiritual. You're with me. But we want to be aware that we are a three-part being, that we are a spirit, that we have a soul, and that we live in a body. And most of the time, the only thing we're aware of is the body. I've been on a special diet for like three weeks now. Oh, man, my body talks. Not from the mouth, you know? It's like... It screams, you know, and it's like, whoa, our bodies, you know, they, they throw fits and they tell us things. You know, that's why fasting is so powerful. And listen, I, I, this is not one that I would say like, like I did last week, imitate me because I don't fast a lot. I just have to be honest, you know, I'm not going to appear something that I'm not. I don't fast a lot, maybe a couple times a year, you know. I hope that's not a reason for you to be like, oh, our pastor's not free enough, so I guess we're going to find another church. <laughs> that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I, I love to do when the Holy Spirit leads me to, you know. 
uh, not because I have to or because, you know, I'm trying to earn something, you know. But uh, anyways, fa- fasting is, is, you know, hard and harder for some people because why? Because our, our flesh is screaming, you know. Our flesh is like calling out and saying, what are you doing to me? I thought we were friends, you know. And, <laughs> and you want to, <laughs> you know, you want to give up. And sometimes instead of getting, a cl- getting you closer to God, it ends up getting you further from God and everybody else, you know. Your spouse is like, would you please just eat, you know? And so your body, you know, your body talks to you. And a lot of times we just spend most of our life being aware of the physical, you know, and, and not the spiritual. And so if we are a spirit, you know, that's who we are. We're a spirit. That's what brings life to this body. It's the breath of life of God that brings life to this body. Then we have a soul, which is the part that is being renewed and being transformed, right? It's the part where the will uh, lives and that's the will that, uh, that's where the decider lives. So we, we choose from our soul. And according to our choices in our soul, you know, is that we are participate, partnering with the flesh or we're partnering with the spirit. And so spirit, soul, and body. So we should be very aware of what's going on in the spiritual. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we're familiar with his evil schemes. That sucker has evil schemes. Like, he's evil. You know, and, and like sometimes I think we think evil like the Grinch, you know. He, the devil's out to steal more than just your Christmas presents, right? In John 10.10, 10, it says a thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. So that means he's three times worse than the Grinch. Steal, kill, and destroy. There you go. You know, devil headquarters, our vision is steal, kill, and destroy. Whole life been doing that. That's that's their vision. That's what he's doing. That's what he wants to do to you. He wants to steal. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. Take anything and everything good out of your life. He wants to pull you away from God. He doesn't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want you to know how powerful you are. He doesn't want you to live in peace. He doesn't want you to experience joy. He wants you to be sad, bound, sick, broke, anxious. It's out there. It's not a secret. And he's got evil schemes to make this happen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, it says, We're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. It says, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Say with me, strongholds of human reasoning. <clears throat> Boy, do those things get people in trouble. Mentalities, the new things. Humanism, any form of higher thing that exalts itself above God. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. And and then it says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. See how interesting that in the midst of speaking about spiritual warfare, in the midst of talking about, you know, 
not the carnal weapons, but the weapons of our warfare, the spiritual ones, then it starts talking about thoughts. Then in the same paragraph, it's talking about strongholds. It's talking about thoughts. Why is that? Because strongholds are groups and powers and, uh, how do you say it? Let me find a better word. It's cities of thoughts that are building something up. Okay? As a matter of fact, a stronghold, if you, if you look up what a stronghold is, is like a tower of protection. You know? It's like built out of block or something you know, where, where they would go in there and they would be safe. They would be in the stronghold. And so the negative connotation of a stronghold is something that is built to protect something of the devil. So if there's a stronghold of poverty, it means that you have a set of belief systems that you've been building up for many, many, many years to the point that they are securing and protecting a false belief that is really, really hard for you to change. Does that kind of help you understand a, a stronghold, right? It's not just one thought. It's, it's a wall of thoughts that are protecting this lie from the devil. And that's why sometimes there's things in our lives that feel really, really hard to change. Because you threw a rock at it or you, you grabbed a sledgehammer, but it's, it's a tower. And it's been there for decades. Those are strongholds. But it says we destroy them and we capture the rebellious thoughts and teach him to obey Christ. So there's a spiritual warfare that is directly linked to our thoughts. Amen? Um, in Luke 4, 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. And so, you know, today we're, we're starting to talk about this, this spiritual realm. And we want to be aware of what, what's going on in the spiritual. Uh, and I want to make you aware that the devil's vision is still the same. To steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And I'm not trying to scare you. I don't think I can scare you, especially because, you know, what we've been teaching here for years, this is, a, this is a new for us, right? And so it's not for us to be scared, but it's for us to be aware. Because when we're unaware, we give the devil an opportunity to hide through suggestive thoughts. Okay? If I go, oh yeah, the spiritual, there's nothing about the spiritual. It's, it's all good. I don't need to know anything about that. You know, I'm just, I'm saved and I'm, and I'm good. Like, then what happens is that the enemy will find a place, you know, will find a door and to come into your life and to start suggesting things that go against the word of God. You know, I love how Clint, um, Clint Rogers explains it. You know, he, he explained this at youth camp. He said, the devil never comes and all of a sudden just offers this crazy wild idea out of nowhere to, you know, he, he doesn't come to a healthy uh, person and just tell them, hey, why don't you go do meth right now? You know, why? Because that sounds so crazy. They would be like, uh, no, I don't 
even drink. I don't even, you know, I've never even smoked in my life. Like, it's a really far stretch, right? So how the devil comes is it it comes uh, with a compromise at a time, a small compromise at a time, a small compromise at a time. And then one day you find yourself so far away from a place you would have never, ever even considered going. The devil doesn't come and say, hey, why don't you, you know, participate in uh, human trafficking? Why don't you go and, uh, you know, buy yourself a slave? You know, like, th- that would be like, what? You know how he comes. He comes with just suggesting ideas, you know, and he comes with, like, just a little bit of soft porn. And then a little bit stronger, and a little bit stronger, and then all of a sudden you're watching things you never thought you would ever watch. Why? Because it comes at a comp- one little compromise at a time. And so that's how these thoughts and suggestions come from the enemy, and he's, he's constantly at work. He's constantly feeding our thoughts. You know, the Bible says he's the, he's the, uh, the prince of the power of the air. You know, that's where all these thoughts are happening and going. We could even go in the scientific way of how this is so accurate, but... But we won't. But you know, that's, that's how everything travels, invisibly and wirelessly. And that's where thoughts come from. They come out of nowhere. All of a sudden, boom. It's like you get this suggestion, you know, and you get this idea. And it depends on where you're at in your life. You know, it might be like, oh, no, that's crazy. I'd never do that. Or, I don't know, maybe. Is it in the Bible? Let's read the Ten Commandments. Maybe that's not there. Right? And what happens if we just start considering? It's the same tactic, you know, the evil schemes, schemes that uh, he did to Eve in the garden, right? He was like, is it really that bad, you know? Did he really say that? Or how he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus and he's like, well, if you are the Son of God, if this, if that, then, you know? And so that's how the enemy comes, with small thoughts and suggestions, you know. Are you really that powerful? Do you really think you're supposed to prosper? You know, do, do you really think that God wants to heal you? I mean, it hasn't happened yet, so, you know. And so we need to take a, an inventory of our thoughts and the suggestions that are coming in our life all the time because it's very likely that that's a weak area in our life that the devil wants to take advantage of. See, that, that's why I'm teaching about this, because we need to be aware, and we need to catch this sucker before he gets in. Hmm. Jesus came that we might be set free. All right, he came to heal people, set people free, and that the oppressed will be set free, that the captives will be released. There's an anointing for that. And then Matthew 10, 8, he tells his disciples, he goes, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. All right, so he came and he did. They watched. Then he sent them and they did. And that's, that's what we're supposed to do. And because that commandment is right there for us, the devil is scared to death. He's like, if these, he's like, if I could barely get by with one Jesus, if all of a sudden I have 2,000 Jesuses walking around on the earth, if all of a sudden there's, you know, a million Jesuses walking around the earth, 
he's going to get an early retirement to hell. You know, he's going to taste hell before he even gets there. And so he's scared. So what does he do? He's like, well, I'm very convincing. And I, and I have thoughts. And so what we do with our thoughts is incredibly important because it opens doors or closes doors. It resists the devil or it gives him place. It's real simple to know, you know, whose thoughts they are. Because if they're life-giving thoughts, then they're from God. But if they're condemning, shameful uh, tempting towards sin, uh, you know, then you know they're not God's thoughts. But here's the thing. You also have to know they're not your thoughts. And that's really important because what happens is the devil, uh, he plants false evidence and then he blames you of it. He accuses you of it, right? So he'll put a thought in your life, be like, hey, why don't you just go ahead. Just, just go sleep around. It's, it's fine, you know. Why not? Everybody's doing it. And then you go, oh, oh, man, actually, that sounds kind of fun, you know? And then he accuses you of having that thought, and he shames you about it, so then you're stuck with it as if it was yours. And so we need to know that when these kinds of thoughts come into our life, you know, when there's thoughts that are, you know, man, you're, you're not good looking enough. Man, you're never going to get married. Like, you just, it's going to be a tough one for you, you know? Look, nobody really likes you. You're kind of annoying. And then you, and you think about these thoughts like they're your own. See, when you hear this stuff, when you hear this vo- these voices, you need to recognize and be like, that's not, those are not my thoughts. That's, that's not me speaking. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I have the Spirit of God inside of me. And that's definitely not God's voice. That's the devil speaking. So what you do is you take those thoughts captive and you go, you know, uh, shut up, devil. Get behind me, Satan. Stop talking. You resist it. You remember who you are. You remember, no, I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has a plan and a future for me. There is a hope. He's a supernatural God. So you resist the enemy. See, but we have to recognize these thoughts instead of taking them as our own, instead of agreeing with them. You know, there is so much power in our agreement. And so something takes on power when you agree with it. So if these thoughts of, you know, loathing come to you, you have the option of resisting and rejecting them, of taking them captive and saying, nope, that's the devil's voice, or agreeing with them. The problem is when you start agreeing with those kind of thoughts, you line yourself up with it and you give them more power and they become more real. And then there's more of it. And so some of us have made agreements with the devil. Now that sounds bad, right? I'm a believer. Have you ever made a pact with the devil? No, never. Listen, I'm not not saying, oh boy, how do I get out of this now? But we've made agreements with the devil when we receive those suggestions and those thoughts in our lives. It doesn't mean you're possessed by the devil, okay? It doesn't mean you're doing witchcraft. 
It means that you have given him a place and you've said, boy, you're right. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I am so ugly. I'm never going to get married. I just, I'm a loser. I'm never going to, you know, prosper. I am. And you're, you're agreeing with the devil. How do I know that? Because God says quite the opposite. What happens when you agree with someone? Now you kind of have something in common with them, right? Ooh. Hey, don't get serious. It's okay. You know, like everything I'm going to talk about the next four weeks, you have to know, you know, we are addressing it from a place of victory. Okay? Not a place of defeat. Not a place of, uh, if maybe some of us will make it, some won't. No. No. We're addressing this from a place of victory. We are already victorious. We know how it ends. You know, all authority, all power has been given to us. But what? We don't want to be ignorant. We want to become aware. Because why? Because, let's, let's read some more scripture. <clears throat> In, um, let's see. In John 8, 32, it says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right? And so when we hear truth, when we start finding out things, when we start having a revelation, this revelation will start setting us free. But I thought I was already free. Yes. See, Jesus set you free, as in he paid the price, he opened up the jail cell, and now you need to get free, as in walking out of the prison, of all the rooms, all the way out. And then, here's the third part, you need to stay free so that the enemy doesn't lead you back into your cell thinking you're, you're still all good. Oh, Pastor, that sounds exhausting. We're partnering with God. We're not babies that he just carries out and does everything for us. You know, he expects us to grow up and he expects us to partner with him and he, because we're free. And because we're free, we have our own choices and our own decisions. And getting saved, it just means that now you have power to do everything that he has purchased for us and everything that he's done for us. But you still have to do something. Can anybody hear the crickets? It's good. We're not victims. We're victorious. Amen? Okay, let's keep on going here. So, uh, James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil, and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. That's pretty amazing. That's the Passion Translation. Surrender to God. Uh-oh, first problem. A lot of people just... Like, how's an 80 20 surrender, Lord? I keep the A to give you 20. Does, does 25 get me into heaven, Lord? Surrender your whole life to God. I know. We lose half of Christians in that one. Not in this church, you know, not at all. But a lot of people just, they want to be friends with God, but they don't want him to be their king because if he's their king then it means it means obedience Ooh. 
That's a trigger word for some people. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> I'm going to test you. Obedience, commitment, <gasps> full surrender. Some of you are going like. <laughs> don't worry. We don't use this against you. We teach it for your own benefit. And so, you know, it says surrender to God. Stand up to the devil. So don't be afraid of him. It says, and resist him and he will turn and run away from you. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Why? Because we read at the beginning. He's trying to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying. He hasn't given up on you. He's still scared. But some of us, sometimes, we just give up too quickly because, oh, yeah, there was some resistance. Oh, man, I don't know what to do. You know, I better back down. I started going to church every Sunday, and oh, my gosh, you know, it was a difficult week. Resist the devil. Stand up to him. You know, I'd like to say that once you become a believer, it's all easy coasting, you know. And there's, I'm not saying that it's a hard life either. Okay, because I've heard both. I've heard people that say, oh, it's all easy. It's all great. Never, nothing bad ever happens. You're just like, you know, in a white picket fence life. And then I heard some people say, oh, the Christian life is so hard. It's so difficult. It's so heavy. It's, man, I'm at war every day. Oh, I'm exhausted. And I go, no, no, definitely not. Do we have hardships? Yes. Do sometimes we find ourselves in trials? Yes. Is sometimes the devil and sometimes me? Yes. But I'm victorious. And the stuff that I'm working through these trials, you know, they're perfecting me. So I'm getting stronger. It's, it's okay. Because at no point do I ever have to doubt if I'm going to come out of this or if I'm going to win. See, that's so amazing about it. I never have to wonder or question, man, I don't know, are we going to make it out of this one? Is God going to be with us still? Are we going to be okay? I never have to question about that. And let me tell you, that is a really, really encouraging thing to know when you're in the midst of a battle. Right? Because you already know the end. So you actually don't have to be stressed out. Like when you watch a game that somebody already told you your team wins at the end. What happens, you know? You're not stressed out. But if you don't know, you know, if you don't know like how the game is going to end, you're like this. You're like stressed out. You're sweating. You know, you're not sure what's going to happen. Are they going to make it? But what happens when somebody told you already? You're like, I already know we're going to win. And so that is how we address our spiritual battles. And so I don't say this stuff to scare anybody, but that we become really aware of what's going on in our lives. What kind of activities is going on? What kind of suggestions is the devil throwing at us? Are you with me? Okay. And so, let's see. Stand up to the devil, resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. Sometimes we have to resist a little longer than other times. Why? Jesus resisted. I might do this really quick. I have a whole teaching on it, but it's really, this is the gist of it. Jesus resisted the devil three times and the devil fled. But how many of you would agree that some of us have resisted the devil more than three times 
and he's still trying to come through the same door. Anybody? Yeah. And so I asked the Lord this question a few years ago. I'm like, Lord, so Jesus did it three times. Why am I, why am I on number six? Why am I on number 10? You know, some of you are like, why am I on year 30? <laughs> you know? The same thing, you know. It's because Jesus didn't have any strongholds. Jesus didn't have any strongholds protecting any lies of the devil that had been built up over decades. And some of us have strongholds on different things, some bigger than others. And so that's why in some areas we have to resist a little bit longer and take some more, how can we say, violent action towards those things. Are you with me? So it's not that God's word isn't true. It's like the devil really thinks he has a chance on that area of your life because there's a stronghold built on that. And that's why we need to become aware of these things and attack them, you know, from anywhere we need to. You know, I I called this the the two salvations. I also did a teaching on that a few years ago and uh, lost some people. No, I'm just kidding. You're like, wait, what? Two salvations? No, it's just, it's just. You know, a a phrase that I use because our first salvation is kind of like when the Lord took the children of Israel out of Egypt. But the second salvation, you know, is through the desert into the promised land and cleansing the promised land. And so many believers get saved, you know, and they get stuck in the desert or they inhabit the promised land, but they never kick out the inhabitants of the land. And so as believers, you know, we see those things. It's not like we're making them up. It's like, well, I'm saved, but life isn't perfect. Yeah, that's right. You know, you're you're taking over your promised land and you're kicking out the inhabitants of the land who have created strongholds in your life for, you know, X amount of years. Are you with me? Okay. And so that's part of what we're doing when we're becoming aware of the spiritual. Okay. And so we resist the devil and he'll run from us and then we continue to resist him and we'll continue to resist him, right? Until that area of our life is healed or we're completely free uh, from that stronghold. And then, Pastor, are you going to talk about how we do this? Absolutely. We're going to do this together in the next, you know, three weeks. It says in um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. How are we doing here? Is this helping anybody? It says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Any of you ever chased your sibling in the house when you were little? And you were like angry at them and they get into a room, they're going to lock it up and you just, you get your foot in there and they know it's over because if you have your foot in there, that's it. They can fight all day long. You can just be like this until they get tired, right? You just have a foothold, which means you have an entry. And so the Bible is telling us, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him an entry. Don't give him an opportunity. Mm. It says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Okay? And the interesting thing is that it's talking about giving the devil a foothold and then it's talking about our language. It's talking about our lifestyle. It's talking about what we do, which means that there's different ways in which we can give the devil a foothold. Some people think like, well, I don't play with the Ouija board. 
Well, that's great, but that's not the only way that you can give the devil a foothold. Right here it says, anger gives the devil a foothold. Anger. Anger gives the devil. It's like the Bible says you can be angry but not sin. So you go, so there's levels of anger? It says don't let the sun set on your anger. Right? So anger can be a place. You know, and I think you know. I don't think I have to explain the levels of anger, I think you know. Like, there's, oh, you got angry, and there's, the rage monster came out. Right? Broke a few windows. Slashed a few family members with his words. Had some rage road. Cussed somebody out. You following what I'm saying? The Bible says this stuff opens the door to the devil. And I'm so glad I'm reading so much scripture because sometimes it'd be hard to get people to believe what I'm saying if it's not here in the Bible. So that's why, you know, that's why we do it that way in Vita Church so that nobody throws tomatoes at me, you know? It's like, hey, if you have a problem, and the last person that persecuted this guy Ended up blind for a few days. <laughs> Anger gives foothold to the devil. Um, Ephesians 2.2, 2, it says, You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. See, this is real interesting. It says, You used to live in sin. He didn't say you used to sin. It says you used to live in sin. So there's a difference, and I want to clarify this because I don't want anybody to freak out. You know, we teach grace, and, and we know, like, God's not, like, waiting to judge us for, you know, messing up or anything like that. But there's a difference, okay, from someone who, who fell into sin, who couldn't resist temptation, who had a weak moment, you know, a, a saved person who, like, missed the mark, missed the goal, lost, you know, there's a difference between that and there's a difference between living in sin. Okay? Habitual sin. Like it's part of your life. Those two are different. And so right here is telling you, he's speaking to believers, he's saying, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. This is unsaved people that used to live in sin. They were in direct obedience and agreement with the devil, Satan, Lucifer. He was calling the shots. And it says, he prowls around, I'm sorry, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to, ready for another trigger word, obey. Obey God. 
There's nothing better than obeying God. You know why? Because it, obeying the Lord leads to life, leads to abundant life, leads to freedom. Committing my whole life to the Lord has nothing boring in it. It's the most exciting journey I ever started since I was 16, 17 years old. There's nothing boring about it. I don't regret it for one minute. I never say, man, I wish I partied harder a little longer. I'm kind of having, you know, second thoughts now. No. And so, I want to suggest that if you're a believer, but you live in sin, like it's habitual, it's part of your life, there is something to be addressed there because you're not supposed to live under the bondage of sin anymore because Jesus took the power of sin away. Jesus, Jesus, he did it. Sin no longer has power over, over, over believers, I'm sorry. It's lost its power. It's lost its sting. So you can't be set free. And the only reason why you're not is maybe ignorance. Maybe you're unaware of the devil's scheme against your life to kill, steal, and destroy through that sin. See, I'm, here's the thing. i got to warn you this. I'm going to be talking a lot about sin in the next three weeks. So if you don't come back, we're going to know. <laughs> That's not what I meant to say. But no, no, no. But I want you to know this. I... People come up to me, they've come up to me over the years, and they're like, Pastor, why don't you talk about sin? Why don't you ever preach about sin? Why don't you? And I'm like, you know, I, it's worthless. You know, we have power over sin. Like, sin has no power over us. We're free from sin. You know, I'll talk about righteousness. But in this specific series, you're going to hear me talk about it a little bit because it's not, and I said this, I think, last week, but it's not from the standpoint of, oh, you're sinning? Whew, you're going to go to hell, you know? No. It's from the perspective of you live in sin and whether it's because of ignorance or weakness or a stronghold, you're allowing it to still kill and destroy in your life and you're bound and you're not fully set free and you can. So we're going to talk about that. You follow what I'm saying? It, 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 God doesn't bring up the, 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 thin, the sin subject to condemn you. He brings up the sin subject to set you free. Because Jesus paid the price for it on the cross. So if you paid the price for something, you wouldn't want to see that person walking around as if nothing had been done about it. But something was done about it. So I want you to know, when we talk about sin in these next three weeks, that you're committed to come back because of obedience to the Lord and full surrender in your life, get excited because the Lord is going to reveal to you if there's any areas of your life where you've opened the, the door to the devil and partnered or agreed with him. And again, there's nothing to be freaked out, nothing to be, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe, I don't even want to know. No, no, no. It's okay. Again, from a place of victory, right? And if there's sin in your life, you've you, you got to get excited. God's going to set you free from this stuff, see? It's not to condemn you. It's not to embarrass you. It's not to, you know, we're not going to be calling out, all right, if you have this, go ahead, you know, show us down. No, no, we're not going to do any of that stuff, okay? 
But we need to address it because we're not supposed to allow it to steal from us. And to some people, they've been bound by it for way too long. And nobody's talking about it because it makes people feel uncomfortable. Well, just don't touch those subjects, you know. Because then, you know, people just, they won't want to come back. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, but we're committed to lead people into freedom, into encounters. And, and that's what Jesus came to do. It says he came to set the captives free. Amen. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Give sight to the blind men. And you know, give sight to the blind men is not just physical sight, but it's actually to help open up the eyes of those that are spiritually blinded. And that's what's, what's going to be happening. We're, our eyes are going to be open. And so if I could quickly go to Luke chapter 15. Uh, in Luke chapter 15, um, you know, we have the prodigal son story. You can read the whole thing at home. But in verse 17 through 18, something amazing happens. And, it's, um, and it is that, if we could put it up on the screen, Luke 15, 17 through 18. Oh, look at it. Amazing. So fast back there. Thank you. Good job, Christian. It says, when he finally came to his senses. Okay? This is a powerful phrase because this, this line right here tells us that he had a revelation. His eyes were open. The blinders came off. Whew, how many of you have ever had the blinders come off and you go, oh, thank you, Jesus. I was blind, but now I see. Right? And so he says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you, against both heaven and you. And so what happens here, we first have a revelation. Say with me, revelation. Okay. Second, we have a confession. He spoke out, and he called evil, evil, and good, good. You know, the Bible tells us that in the later days, the love of many will wax cold, will grow cold, will cool off, will be desensitized. And people will no longer be able to tell the difference. And they'll call evil good and good evil. Is it not exactly what we're living today? See? The blinders are on. And so the, the son had a revelation. The blinders came off. Then he had a confession. The confession isn't enough. Confession makes you feel good. Which is why some people and some religions just go every week, twice a week, three times a week. They feel good afterwards, but there's no change. So confession is good, but it's not enough. Because then the thing that came afterward is he, what? he turned around and he went in a different direction. And what direction was it? He didn't go try another religion. He didn't go look for somebody else's father. He didn't, no. He went back to his father. And that's the direction that true repentance points to. You hear that? True repentance points in the direction back to the father. And so I'll go home to my father and I'll say, right? Uh, there's a... Uh, there's a scripture in Second um, Corinthians 7, verse 9 and 10. It says, Now I rejoice that you were made sorry. Sorrow is okay. 
in the process of repentance, okay? It says, but that your sorrow led to repentance. Okay, that's the point. Some people cry, some people don't cry. But he says, it's good that there was some sorrow. But what I really rejoice in, he says, I, I rejoice, but not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made, you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow that the world produces, the, uh, of the world, the sorrow of the world produces death. See, because it's an empty sorrow. It doesn't lead to repentance. Are you following me? Okay. First Peter 5.8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. I think we established that. That is the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. What is this? Is this persecution from this toothless, powerless, lion wannabe devil, right, that is trying to get in your head He's just trying to get in your head. He's trying to get in your head with lies, with deception, with temptation. He's looking for an opening. He's looking for a weakness. He's looking for something that he can grab a hold of you because he's so scared that if you're so free and you know who you are in Christ, you're going to make his life miserable.